Welcome to the King's Chapel Podcast. You are about to hear another inspirational message from our lead pastor, Matt Schmidley. It's our prayer that this message will be a blessing and encouragement to your life. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. We've been going through the book of Matthew together, verse by verse. Started over a year ago in chapter 1. Chapter 13 today. Last night, my son Will and I were watching uh, the uh, NBA skills competition as part of the NBA All-Star Weekend. We watched the three-point contest. We watched the dunk contest. And needless to say, those men can do things that I could only dream of. Um, (laughs) Jump in ways that I could never jump. Um, Do all of these things that I could never do. They were, in every sense of the word, very talented people. They'd been given gifts, uh, physical gifts that I just don't have. No matter how much I work out or go and try and do this and that, it's just, I just, I don't have them. What's interesting is that when we say someone is talented, the word in English, talented, is really borrowed from the parable of the talents. It's not a, it wasn't a natural English word. When people would say to someone, you're talented, they were alluding to the parable of the talents in which some were given one talent, one sum of money, um, others were, another was given three, another one was given or five and ten, and you know the story, all of that. And it was, so now we have just kind of taken this word talented and put it into our vocabulary as someone who has been given, you know, physically, genetically, by God, given certain things, um, or in some cases, not given certain things. Um, you think about other things that have crept into our, uh, our language and our culture. To call someone a good Samaritan um, is, is natural language. You'll, you'll hear that in, you know, on the news or something. Someone saying, you know, a good Samaritan helped out the person who was stopped by the side of the road or whatever. It's just, it's our language. We, you hear phrases like, you know, casting the pearls before swine. Another reference to the parables of Jesus. In fact, it's one of the things that Jesus is still known for. The fact that he taught in parables. He told stories. He would start off things like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would tell a story. They would ask questions. Should, you know, who should I love and how should I love and who is my neighbor? And Jesus says to them, a man went on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho and tells this story. Over and over and over. Jesus would say, or, or the, the Gospels would record, and Jesus told them this parable so that they would pray and never give up. And then he would tell a story about someone knocking on the door at midnight. It's just, this was the natural flow of Jesus' teaching. And as we get to chapter 13 in Matthew, it's going to be an entire chapter of parables. And you wonder, why would Jesus teach in parables? Why wouldn't he just be more you know, didactic, more straightforward, just, just tell us? And you can, you can look at it, and there are a lot of, of uh, linguistic reasons and, and stylistic reasons of why somebody would do that and, and how well a story communicates a point. And all of those things are true, but Matthew gives us a different theological reason why Jesus spoke and taught in parables, why he didn't always just tell them in a straightforward way, why, why often he would tell a story to illustrate his point. 
And so today's text, we're actually going to take it out of order. If you've been along with us, we were supposed to be at chapter 13, verse number 1, which is the parable of the sower. But we're going to skip down to chapter 10. We're going to come back to the parable of the sower next week. Because starting at verse number 10, Matthew explains why Jesus taught and spoke in parables. So let's pick it up at verse number 10. This is after he had told them the parable of the sower. And Matthew records it in an interesting way. You'll, you'll see how it, uh, next week how it unfolds. But he tells this parable. And some fell upon, you know, the, the, sower, the, the farmer went out and sowed seed. And some fell on rocky ground. And some fell among thorns. And some um, sprouted up and grew and produced 30, 60, 100 fold. He who has ears, let him hear. And that's it. <laughs> it's like, um, can you help us out, Jesus? And so the disciples, as we're going to see, come to Jesus. Verse number 10. And the disciples came to him and said, "Um, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. This people's heart has grown dull. With their eyes they can barely see. And their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So Jesus is teaching this, very something that's, that's unexpected, that the reason he taught in parables was both to reveal and to hide, to reveal and to conceal. To those who had been given ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand, the secrets of the kingdom were going to be made known to them. They were going to, the light bulb was going to come on. They were going to say, ah, I see what he's getting at. See what he's saying. Wink, wink. Yeah, we're, I, I get it. But to those who had hard hearts, they would hear the message of Jesus. They would hear the words of the Son of God, the Messiah that stood in Galilee and taught the people. They would indeed hear, but the message, the meaning, the understanding would be concealed with them. Because their hearts were dull. Because really, as we've seen as we went through chapter 11 and 12, if you've been with us, those who opposed Jesus, the the Pharisees and others, were not opposing Jesus because they didn't understand. They were opposing Jesus because they had set out and determined in their heart to oppose him no matter what he said or what he did. And so Matthew records, if, if we go back... We started this in chapter 10. Look at 
1, I'm sorry, verse 10. Look at one verse earlier. Chapter 13, verse number 9. This is how Matthew ends the parable of the sower. It says to them, He who has ears, let him hear. And then he goes on to explain, and he quotes from Isaiah about people with eyes that can't see and ears that hear but don't understand. And then you go on, you keep tracking through chapter 13. Look at chapter 13, verse number 43. This is at the end of Jesus' explanation of the parable of the weeds that grew up. And listen to how he ends this. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So twice Jesus has said this. Um, Matthew has already recorded Jesus saying this one time earlier in the gospel. This is the third time that, that Matthew records Jesus saying, he who has ears, let him hear. And what you find as you begin to dig into the, the scriptures is that this idea that Jesus is, is picking up is a long thread that runs all throughout scripture. There are some things that you come across like we did a couple of weeks ago with uh, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and it seems like this is, this is the one time, this is the one place in Scripture that talks about it. And there are other times that there is a thread that goes all the way through Scripture, almost from beginning to end. And really, that's what Jesus is picking up on here. That to the person who has ears to hear, the person who understands their Scriptures, when He says these words, He who has ears, let him hear, it's going to bring in all of this other stuff. It's kind of like, like if I were to say to you, you had me at hello. Yes, so some people, others of you are like, huh? I haven't seen Jerry Maguire. Others of you, you hear that line, and a, it's not just the words. You picture the scene. You picture the whole arc of the movie. I mean, I could, there, there are certain lines of, of movies or stories or whatever, or you're, you're watching this big, long series or trilogy, and there's this one line at the very end that if somebody hasn't watched from the beginning, there's this line, this reference that they're missing. And that's kind of what Jesus is doing here, is he is picking up on this theme that has run throughout the scriptures and especially throughout the prophets. And so today we're going to, with our time remaining, do something a little bit different. Usually we will take our text in Matthew and dig as deeply as we can down into this text. Today what I want us to do is take a more broad view. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. But what I want to show you is when Jesus says these words, he who has ears, let him hear, he is tapping into this big well that Scripture uses. And I want you to see as best we can today the big picture, the broad picture. So as we go through these, these Scriptures, don't try to grab every detail. Get the big picture. If you're new to the Bible today, we're going to be throwing a lot at you just Think in big picture terms. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. This is what Jesus quotes from. Isaiah chapter 6. And while you're turning there, the first time that we see this uh, eyes and ears um, theme is really in Deuteronomy, um, where the people are about to go in. They've, they've got through, through um, the wilderness. They're about to go in. In Deuteronomy, do we have that? It says this. This is Moses remarking to the people. This is hundreds of years before Isaiah. He says, but to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. He talked about how they complained in the desert. He talks about how that was the way Moses called them stiff-necked people. The people who saw all of these things from God, who experienced his, his provision of manna every single day, 
had hard hearts, had ears that couldn't hear and eyes that couldn't see. So you fast forward throughout the period of, of the judges into the period of, of King David and Solomon and the height of the kingdom, and then it, and then it divides and the kingdoms are, um, of the north and the south are both going downhill at separate rates. And eventually it's going to end in both of these nations being destroyed by outside nations and people being taken away from their home into exile. The northern kingdom by the Assyrians, the southern kingdom of Judah by the Babylonians. So this is, they're on this trek, they're on this, this track downward. And this is where Isaiah, as they are getting near the bottom but not there yet, this is where Isaiah prophesies. He is prophesying to a people who are almost at rock bottom but not quite there yet. And he sees this picture in, in, in chapter 6. He gets a vision, you read earlier from Revelation, he gets a picture, a vision of the throne of God. And he's called into a prophetic ministry. And now look at how God describes the ministry that Isaiah is going to have. Verse number, chapter 6, verse number 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, or who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people. So here's, Isaiah is being called. Here is his ministry. Here's what he's supposed to say to the people. Here's his message to them. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Well, what a great ministry to have. I mean, it's not going to be like, you know, Moses at the burning bush where, you know, I'm going to deliver my people, you know, from slavery. And you're like, yes. And God tells Isaiah, you're going to go and you're going to preach to them and they're going to hear you. And they're going to reject me. And their rejection is going to cause their hearts to become hard and their ears to become dull and their eyes to become glazed over. And the more you preach to them, the more hard their hearts will be. Those of us who have kids, we've, we've experienced that. Trying with your kids, there are certain things that certain messages get old after a while. And it seems like the more you try to harp on them, the more that they tune out. And that's what's going on. This is the ministry that Isaiah is going to have. He's not going to preach to the nation and see a revival. He's going to preach to the nation and they're going to continue in their downward trajectory. So what does this look like to have a hard heart, to have eyes that are dull? Chapter 7, the very next chapter, I think Isaiah is giving us an example of what this looks like. And this is an encounter with Isaiah and King Ahaz. And don't worry about all the details. I'll point out the details. We're going to, we're going to read fast here. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, that's the southern kingdom, the king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, that's up in the north, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, that's the northern kingdom of Israel that is split off. They came to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. And when the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, Ephraim is the northern kingdom, it's a different name, Syria is in league with, with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of the people shook as trees of the forest shake before the wind, their knees were knocking. They, were, <laughs> they are freaking out. 
And the Lord said to Isaiah, the prophet, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub, your son. At the end of the conduit of the upper pool of the highway to the washer's field, is telling them where to go, and say to them, so here's the message. Here's the message to people whose hearts are shaking like trees. Be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. Let the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and Remaliah They've devised evil against you, saying, let's go up against Judah and terrify it and conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabal as king in their midst. And thus says the Lord God. So this is the message that God has to Ahaz. It shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. Their plans won't happen. This is what he's telling them. They've come to attack Jerusalem. They've come to overthrow it. And it's not going to happen. For the head of Syria is Damascus. And he's pointing out here how, how fragile these nations are. For the head of, Samir, of, of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah. And here's his word to Ahaz. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. So what do you think Ahaz's response should be? And what do you think his response is going to be, especially in light of the ministry that God told Isaiah he was going to have? And again, the Lord, verse 10, spoke to Ahaz saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol, that's the grave, or as high as heaven. So God just said, but God is doing everything. He, ask me for a sign. Just ask me for anything. Make the sun go backwards or whatever. Ask for anything. I'm going to show you that, that you don't have to be afraid of these people. Just ask. But Ahaz said, Ahaz said, I will not ask. He couches it in religious terms. I will not put the, the Lord to the test. And he said, Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? What does it look like to have ears that are dull and eyes that can't see and hearts that don't understand? It's what it looks like with Ahaz when God sends a prophet. He had three different messages for him. The first one was, was be careful, be quiet. The second one was, was the, the poetic part. It will not stand. If you won't stand firm in faith, you won't stand at all. The third one was ask for a sign. God gave him three messages. And Ahad, Ahaz turned away with a hard heart. If you continue to track through the prophets after Isaiah and Jeremiah, Jeremiah, and we won't look at it. You can study it later if you want. Um, Jeremiah uses this same language of eyes that can't see and ears that can't hear. But I want us to look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 3. Go there with me if you've got a Bible. Ezekiel chapter 3. And again, this is, we talked about Isaiah's call. This is Ezekiel's call. Now, Ezekiel is prophesying, while you turn there, the nation had continued its downward spiral. It had been overthrown by the Babylonians. They left a few people there. They took most of them, or, or many of them, to, to uh, Babylon to be exiled. So there's a community in Babylon, the remnant, you'll hear it called sometimes, and there's still some people hanging out in Jerusalem. 
And, well, hang on, I said that wrong. A rem- Babylon, or Jerusalem had not fallen. Sorry, Jerusalem had not fallen. The, um, Babylon had already taken a remnant, a beginning remnant over there. So the temple is still functioning. It's not falling yet, but there's also, also a remnant in Babylon. And what happens is Isaiah is in Babylon with this remnant, and God gives him this series of visions of what's happening in Jerusalem. He takes him back to Jerusalem in the spirit and shows him what is going on. So, Ezekiel chapter 3, picking up at verse number 4. So listen to uh, Ezekiel's call. This is part of his call. And he said to me, this is God speaking, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many peoples of foreign speech and a hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I... (laughs) you got to read your Bible. Surely if I sent you to such, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you. Why? Why, why, why is God saying to them, I'm not sending you to some foreign people with a foreign language. If I did, they would listen to you. I'm sending you to your own people with your, from your own language, and they're not going to listen. Why would they not listen? Because all of the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak, um, you shall receive in your heart and hear with your ears. Ezekiel would hear. And go to the exiles, the people in Babylon. Go to the exiles and say to your people and speak to them, And say to them, thus says the Lord your God, whether they hear or refuse to hear. So again, what does this look like? If if Ezekiel is going to have this ministry and this prophecy, and he's going to speak to a people who aren't going to listen, people who with eyes but can't can't see and ears but can't hear, what does this look like? Turn over to chapter 8 of Ezekiel. And I've got to move quickly through this. But I want you to get a picture of what exactly is going on. Chapter 8, verse number 7. Ezekiel is getting a vision from Babylon, getting a vision of what's happening in Jerusalem. We're going to see three different scenes here. And he brought me to the entrance of the court. This is the temple. And when I looked, behold, there was a hole in the wall. And he said to me, Son of man, dig in the wall. So I dug in the wall. And behold, there was an entrance. And he said to me, Go in and see the vile abominations they are committing there. And so I went in and saw. And there engraved on the walls all around was every form of creeping things and loathsome beasts and idols of the house of Israel. And before them, so this is, there's idols carved inside the court. And before them stood 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel with Jazaniah, son of Shaphan, standing among them. And each had a censer in his hand, and the smoke of the cloud of the incense went up. They're burning incense to idols in the temple. Talk about hard hearts. They're in the court of the temple, and they're burning incense to idols. The elders, the rulers, the religious leaders, 
had such hard hearts, if you've been following along with Matthew, and how Matthew is describing the religious leaders in Jesus' day, you should be making some connections here. But he is showing them the religious leaders, and they are burning incense to idols in the temple courts. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark? Each in his room of pictures, for they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. And you also, to me, you will see still greater abominations that they commit. So they're, they're in there doing this, and they're like, oh, God doesn't see us. He doesn't see us. He's, we're, we're, we're here in the dark. God doesn't see us. Hard hearts for people to do that. Elders of the people. And then he brought me, verse 14, then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Tammuz was a, a Sumerian god. So again, a, a foreign god. They're, they're weeping. They're possibly offering sacrifices or mourning or trying to get this god to do something for them, the women. And he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? You will see still greater abominations than these. And he brought me, the third scene, and he brought me to the inner court of the house of the Lord. This is the inner part of the temple. And behold, at the entrance of the temple, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, worshiping the sun toward the east. Do you remember, if you remember the story of Daniel? Daniel's in Babylon. What did Daniel do when he prayed? He turned and he faced the temple. And here are the, the leaders in the temple, in the temple area, turning their backs to the temple, to the east, and worshiping the sun god. Eyes to see but can't see. Ears to hear but don't hear. Hearts that are hard so that they can't understand. And this, bless you, and this, this theme continues to weave through the other prophets. We won't go to those. I just wanted to show you Isaiah and Ezekiel. And so it moves into Jesus' day. And Jesus is being attacked by the religious leaders, the elders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law. And what's happening? Same thing. Just like in Isaiah's day, just like in Jeremiah's day, just like in Ezekiel's day, just like in Zephaniah's day, just like in all of these prophets that recorded this, Jesus is saying, same old thing. The religious leaders have still hardened their hearts toward me. And so the disciples asked Jesus, why, why are you doing this? And he said, because they are fulfillment of what, they're the same, same people as in Isaiah's day. Though seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear and they don't have hearts to understand. They have shut their heart off, their mind off to the things of God. And this is a story, that if you've been following along with us in the, the bigger arc of Matthew, this is the story that Matthew is telling to later generations, that the reason that Jesus was rejected by the Jewish leaders is not, not because he was a false teacher, 
Not because he was a Sabbath breaker, not because he followed Beelzebub, but because these people had set it in their hearts from the very beginning to reject Jesus. Look with me, turn with me to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. I want you to see how Stephen describes this. These are among Stephen's. Stephen was a, was a, um, was a follower of Jesus, and he's going to, he was the first martyr. He was going to be stoned um, for his testimony. He is standing before the religious leaders, and he is preaching to them. Um, and his conclusion to the message, his message, his sermon, gives you an idea, though, of why they stoned him. Um, here is his conclusion. He, he had talked about you know, the, the patriarchs, and Jesus, and, and his fulfillment, and here's his, here's his conclusion, talking to the religious leaders. You, stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, that's, that's a Jewish way of saying you can't hear or see, same, same concept, uncircumcised in your heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. He's talking about Well, we know. And, verse number 52, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels did not keep it. He is placing these religious leaders right in line of succession with those who killed Isaiah and Jeremiah and all of the prophets. And he's saying, they were your forefathers, you're one of them too. Now you understand why they picked up rocks and started throwing them. Um, Hard-hearted people. If you go... Trying to decide if we have time to go there. Acts chapter 28, let's do it. This is, this is the scriptures, it's good stuff. This illustrates the point one more time. This is Paul preaching, so we've heard Stephen's words. Paul is in Rome. Paul won't leave Rome, as far as we know. Acts 28, picking up at verse 23. And when they had appointed a day for him... They're wanting to hear people in Rome. They'd never met Paul. They didn't know all these accusations that come from Jerusalem. Paul's in Rome to stand trial. So the Jewish leaders, they want to hear him. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to his lodging in greater numbers. And from morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said. But others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul made one statement. So this this is Paul's parting shot, and they had had enough. Paul says this, The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their eyes they can barely see or barely hear. And their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts, and I would turn and heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. 
Sounds kind of familiar with the words of Ezekiel. If I sent you to the Gentiles, if I sent you to people of other nations, they would listen, but these people won't. So what does this all mean for us? We've done a lot of Bible and very little application. What does this mean for us? A couple of applications come to mind. First of all, there is a danger of hearing and understanding and rejecting Jesus that hardens your heart and hardens your heart and hardens your heart that eventually you can no longer see with spiritual eyes, hear with spiritual hearts the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it can become easy in our humanity to think to ourselves, I've got lots of time. I, I hear God speaking to me. I, I, know, I know the things of God or I know what God is saying to me. I know that God is, wants, me to, he wants me to live for him. He wants me to repent. But for now, no. Later, yes. I'll do it later. But right now, there, I, I have too many things going on. Right now, I just I want to have some fun. Right now, I whatever. And the danger is this, is that by rejecting the voice of the Holy Spirit, you dull your ear to his voice. And the time that you want to hear and to respond, you might not be able to hear him. The writer of Hebrews quotes from Psalms and he says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like you did in the desert. Hearing and rejecting leads to hard hearts. And you may end up in a place where you can't say yes to Jesus because you can no longer hear him. For those of us who are believers, there's the reality that our loved ones, our co-workers, who we have shared the gospel with and who have said no, and we get discouraged, and we think, well, if I was better at my Bible, or if I was better at witnessing, or if I was better at explaining, then, then maybe I could help them. But the truth of the matter is this, is that many times people say no to Jesus because they don't have ears to hear, or eyes to see, or hearts to understand. And it's a spiritual battle. It's not that you can't convince them, or you're not persuasive enough. It's because there's a spiritual battle going on with their hearts. As the Apostle Paul says, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to the gospel of Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you hear his voice, don't say no to him. Don't say no to him. It's like anything else. If you know, when you were a kid, if you, the first time you, you know, if you can remember that you just honestly defied your parents and and did you know said something or did something, and they just kind of let it go. The next time it becomes easier and easier and easier and easier. Such it is with the human heart, with the voice of God. But what about us who are believers? Well, in what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 13 is that the disciples, the others, 
They'd been given the mysteries of the kingdom, the secrets of the kingdom. They had, Jesus said, they had ears to hear. But can we say as believers that, Lord, I need to be more sensitive to your voice. I need to be more responsive to your voice. If you follow this this theme of ears to hear all the way to the book of Revelation, John had a message for seven different churches in Asia Minor, in the Turkey area, each one of these churches, to the church of Smyrna, right, to the church of Philadelphia, right. And at the end of each of these letters to the churches, John ends with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In fact, one more place, Ephesians chapter 1, this is where we'll close. Ephesians chapter 1, picking up at verse number 16. I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesian Christians. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, having having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints. How does Paul describe the eyes of our hearts being enlightened by a work of the Holy Spirit? Stephen said it the same way before he was martyred. You are always resisting the Holy Spirit. So those of us who are believers... with ears to hear. We can hear more clearly. We can have hearts that understand more fully. And that's who God has called us to be. People with ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand. Let's pray together. Father, Thank you for your scriptures, your word that reveal to us who you are, that shine a light upon our world and upon our lives. And I ask this morning, Holy Spirit, speak to us. From the mature believer to the person who is hearing the gospel for the first time today. Spirit of God, speak to us. Draw us to Jesus. Let it be unmistakable that we're hearing your voice. While nobody's looking around, I want to give you an opportunity to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit today. Hear the voice of God speaking to you. And maybe for you, you're you're here and you're away from God. You're, You're far from God. Possibly for you, it's that you've never had a relationship with him. You have never committed your life to him. You've never repented of your sins and said, Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. I want to follow you. You've never done that. And today, you you feel the pull of the Holy Spirit. You feel like your heart's about to beat out of your chest. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. In just a moment, if that's you, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. 
And scripture teaches that we're saved by faith in Jesus. And so I want to give you your first opportunity to take a step of faith in just a moment. But also maybe there are some among us who, yeah, you made that commitment to Jesus a long time ago. But for an extended period of time now, you have not been following him. You've turned your heart and your ways away from him. And today you hear his voice speaking to you, calling you, that today is the day of salvation. And if that's you, in just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to take your first step of faith. And the first step of faith I want you to take, I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to call you forward. I just, between you and God, in just a moment, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me, I need Jesus today, whether for the first time or, or a recommitment. So if that's you, take your first step of faith right now, raise up your hand where you are, say, that's me today, I need Jesus I need to give my life to him. I need, to, I need forgiveness of sins. I need life with him. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't think that you're going to hear from him again some other day. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, respond. Thank you. Let's all stand together. We're going to conclude with this next couple of minutes. We're going to pray together. Each one of us, where you are, and I'm here. And our prayer should be this. Father, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to understand who you are, what you want from me, how to follow you. Speak to me today, Lord. And when he does, don't hesitate. Say yes to him. Let's pray together. Father. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. And so each of us, where we are now, we say, Lord, speak to us. Give us ears that are tuned to your voice. And eyes that are clear to see your ways. And hearts that understand. Let us hear your voice more clearly. Speak to us now, here, as we take a few moments and wait on you. Let us hear you more clearly. Don't let our hearts become dull. Don't let our eyes become blind. Jesus, we thank you because we are here because you opened our eyes. It's not that we were better than anybody else or more perceptive. For each of us here that believes, you did a miracle and you opened our eyes and you opened our heart and you opened our ears so that we could see and hear and understand because without your grace, Without your grace, without your mercy, all of us would be dead in our blindness and deafness. And so we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's all because of your grace. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.